Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Miriam Knight Show. Uh, today, our guest is Derek Randall. Der- uh, Derek is the author of Emergence, Seven Steps for a Radical Life Change, and I'm so delighted to welcome you to the show, Derek. Thank you, Miriam. It's really my, my honor and pleasure to be here. Well, now, Derek has had a life-changing brush with death. And he tried to become a monk and then a minister before becoming a licensed integrative therapist. Today he's a prominent life coach and consultant for Emmy and Academy Award winners, Fortune 500 executives, and evolutionary leaders in business, spirituality, and the healing arts. He is an active speaker, bringing his unique brand of inspiration to tens of thousands of people around the country. He's the author of two Amazon best-selling books, and he writes for a number of publications, including the Huffington Post and Spirituality and Health. And now I get to ask you anything I want, Derek. What a sense of power. <laughs> Derek, you were an actor when you found yourself in a life-threatening situation that really shook you up. Can you describe what it was and how that put you on the path of the spiritual seeker? Yeah, well, you know, like so many people, I was trying to fix, change, heal, improve my life, get over my bad childhood and all those kind of things. And I was, you know, attempt using all manners of self-improvement and attraction and achievement. And it ultimately, only thing I improved in my life was my ability to describe why my life was so messed up, but it wasn't really improving anything. In fact, I got addicted to drugs and alcohol to deal with all the frustration and almost died of an overdose. So that was the first almost dying experience. And my brother always said I had a thick head. So, you know, I got the two by four from the universe, but it wasn't enough to crack me open. And flash forward a little while, and I was an actor, as you said, and I was doing a film in Jamaica, and I was in a, you know, another dark place in my life and when it should have been a great place. And I, I went out um, diving and snorkeling in this reef you know, sort of wishing and praying that I could just escape the world and just get lost from the world above. And you got to be careful what you pray for and ask for because very soon I found myself following a school of brightly colored fish and getting completely lost in this labyrinth of a coral reef and getting caught in a pocket of coral where I was surrounded by so much fire coral where if I was to touch any of it, it would have been like being stung by hundreds, if not thousands, of jellyfish all at the same time. And I was um, right above an entire bed of giant spiked coral. It looked literally like an underwater booby-trapped tomb from Indiana Jones. And these spikes would have skewered me if I was to go on top of them. And I had literally inches from the spikes between my throat, my stomach, my chest, my face, and then surrounded on all sides by fire coral. I didn't know how I got there or even how to get out. And I, and I couldn't swim down to find my way out because I would have been skewered. And so I had to stay just under the water um, a couple inches above these spikes and swim with the tips of my fingers so that I wouldn't fall onto them and be skewered. And I had to breathe in short staccato breaths so that I wouldn't puncture myself and be skewered. And this went on for a long time where I began to 
um, hyperventilate, and I was trying to imagine how I could be saved. And eventually it reached a point where I knew that nobody was coming to save me. And it's hard to ex- ex- understand what it's like. You know, I reached a point where I was, I, was negoti- I was done negotiating with the universe. You know, I tried to say, God, if you get me out of this, I promise to go to church on Sunday, and the universe wasn't bargaining. But eventually I got to a point where I knew I was going to drown. It was complete. It was final. I had no more energy. I was going to drown. And all that was left was to let go. And it was a moment of profound surrender. And in that moment of, without bargaining, really letting go, really making peace with my life and releasing, something cracked open in me. And it was like I had an awareness of something that I couldn't put into words. But it was so profound, it radically shifted my whole perspective of life. And in that very moment, this wave lifted me up out of the pocket and dropped me down onto this one spot outside of the coral pocket where I could stand for the first time and look down into this place I had been trapped and see that the exit had been inches from me the whole time. And I could also see this labyrinth of a maze was like a metaphor for my life. I'd been swimming through all these this maze following all these brightly colored objects, trying to get lost, trying to find some satisfaction. And I was trapped, and I was suffocating and gasping for air, and that was my life. And in that moment of surrender and this cracking open, I like to say it was like Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, you know. And, and I got this glimpse of this self that was never damaged, and so it didn't need to be fixed or healed. And I could see also that it was perfect, it was complete, that it could not be improved upon. And that shift was so radical that I pulled out of the entertainment industry, I pulled out of society for the most part, got rid of TV, you know, books, news, everything, and just was actually going to become a monk and um, ended up cloistering myself in my apartment and going on this inner journey for the next two or three years. That is quite a radical shift. Um, I have heard this notion of complete surrender in many different circumstances, many different ways. Um, Do you think that it requires us to be in such a dire situation to get to that point of surrender, or can we do it just from... um, our daily life? I mean, does it have to really get that bad? Well, I'm going to answer that by saying yes and no. The first thing is that from a principle standpoint, no, it's not necessary because the universe is completely friendly and supportive and progressive and is, has nothing but love and support as its agenda for us. And I'll say, however, the human nature is such that the egoic nature is such that it avoids change. In fact, the ego's very nature is, to, to the ego, change is equivalent to death because the ego is just uh, basically a collection of, of patterns or of programs. And it's a mechanism that was designed to ensure we survived as a species, that we didn't change too rapidly or do anything too, you know, too rapidly so that we would survive this experiment called human beings. But now that very mechanism has put us on the brink of extinction and in our own lives prevents us from evolving often. So the ego is always working to convince us that we either 
you know, convince us we're changing when we're not so that we'll, we won't actually change or actually convince us that we can't. But in any case, it tries to make us stay the same because if we really change, it feels like it's dying. And that was my experience is that this crack happened, and for the next year, in fact, I had consistent dreams of death and destruction. And what I didn't understand until later was that I was dying psychologically. Uh, that, that, that ego had been ripped from its moorings, and it wasn't going to come back together again. So, so it interpreted that transformational experience as, as death, you know, in the dreams. But, but it's not, you know, we do have a choice. You know, we can grow through insight, through practice, through revelation for the most part, or we can be dragged kicking and screaming into the next stage of our growth and evolution. And so I will say it's a yes and no, but I will say that we can mitigate a great degree of, of suffering. You know, how the old saying is, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. And pain without resistance is not suffering. In fact, it can become quite impersonal, you know. And, um, but when you resist it, when you judge it, when you fight it, when you think this shouldn't be or this should be, you create resistance and that creates suffering. But when you recognize that this problem you're facing or this crisis or this challenge is actually an evolutionary catalyst, it's actually happening to crack you open to a larger life, just as certain trees require a forest fire to crack open their shells and release their pine cones and release seeds. They, they need that fire or they will not thrive. They will not keep growing. Likewise, sometimes we need a fire. We need a challenge that will crack us open and crack open our, our protective shells that have become glued shut and allow us to evolve to the next level. And if we understand that's part of the growth process, and it's a big part of emergence, and we embrace it, and we ask the right emerging questions, then we don't have to suffer through it. Well, having had three children by natural childbirth, I can confirm that yes. resistance actually makes the suffering, uh, the, the pain greater. Yes. However, um, how can we really be convinced that the universe is benign when it perpetrates or brings into our lives so much pain and suffering, not only personally but uh, around the world. Yes, it's a great, it's, it's, the, it's the age old question, you know. And, you know, it's like the old question if God is all loving and all love and all good, how is there all the suffering happening? It's, you know, that doesn't make sense. So it's important to understand the nature of the universe, and this might be a little bit down the rabbit hole for some people, but I think it's okay, and that's that there's life and there's life experience. Life is good. Life is love. Life is eternal and indestructible and perfect, whole, complete, and is one, and it's always expressing the fullness of its wholeness and its perfection. That's life with a capital L, or reality. And that's what all the great masters have taught, from Lao Tzu to Buddha to Jesus to, you know, Uncle Joe. <laughs> and that, the, that there is this fundamental life, this fundamental order that is perfect. Just as the oak tree is already in the acorn, and the acorn doesn't have to go build an oak, attract an oak, achieve an oak, and, and it might, you know, become a pine tree instead of an oak tree. No, there's an inherent order there, an inherent pattern. 
And when it's planted in the right conditions, and those conditions match the pattern in the seed, an oak tree always happens. And that's, that's the underlying order revealing itself. In fact, and that is the law of emergence, that, that there's a perfect pattern planted in the soil of our soul and in, the, and in the shell of every seed. And when the conditions match it, it emerges always. It's law. So there's that. And then there's life experience. And that is that we don't experience life directly. We experience life through our perception. And as I like to say, a relative perception of the infinite perfection. And so, and it's just the way we're designed. We, we are unique expressions of life. We're individualized expressions of life. And there has to be a way by which life can unfold, you know, step by step. Because if we were to experience and express all of infinite life at once, there would be no experience at all. And so it has to have a way and a mechanism by which it unfolds. It unfolds through the process we call consciousness. And so our consciousness is the sole determining factor on how much or little of life we experience. And you can think of it kind of like a camera, you know, like the aperture on a camera. You open up the aperture and you have all, that you, you have all of, of potential to take a picture of. And you choose to open it and take a picture of that sliver of a landscape. And it opens up for a second, a millisecond really, lets in a little bit of light, captures the image, and then locks it in. And then you print it out and you make it a picture, put a frame around it. So there's the perfection, which is the, land, the vast landscape. There's your perception, which is that little sliver of the landscape that might even be distorted depending on what kind of lens you're looking through. There's the projection of that, which is capturing that image on film. And then there's protection. We put a frame on it. We put it on the wall. We call that the landscape. And, and so there's perfection, perception, projection, and protection. And the pro none of that's a problem. All of that's good. And we get to choose what we focus the camera on and what lens we use. But the problem comes when we look at the picture on the wall and on the gallery of our life and of our mind, and we forget that these are all pictures. And we think this is reality. Instead of knowing it's just a picture of reality, and it might even be a distorted one at that. And we become lost in the gallery of our mind created concepts and understanding that our experience is always an expression of the concepts and the beliefs and the perceptions we hold in our mind. So, so that's the problem is we get lost. Instead of opening back up again and asking better questions, deeper questions, and having a bigger glimpse of our true nature, we get caught up in the pictures. And then we start judging the pictures and we start determining what's true based on the pictures. And then we start feeling based on the pictures, and then we take new actions based on those feelings, and before you know it, we're completely asleep, and our life becomes this perpetuation of limitation. So, so there's life, which is perfect, and then there's life experience, which is our individual perception and ultimately even collective agreements around what's true and what's not. And we can always open back up again and tap into the real deeper nature of life and pull forth an even brighter, clearer, focused picture of reality. And then our experience will reflect that. You use the term emergence 
in many different contexts and ways. You use it as imagination, like imagination, imagineering, and it has a really dynamic quality. Can you expand upon us the, the whole notion of emergence that you're trying to uh, get into the global consciousness? Absolutely. And, you know, as I said, I struggled to try to attract and achieve and manifest and make my life happen. It almost killed me twice. And, and then I cracked open and I could see that life was already happening. Um, there was nothing broken in me. And, in fact, it was already complete and perfect. And just as the oak is already in the acorn, the acorn doesn't have to achieve an oak or attract an oak. It doesn't have to become worthy of an oak. And the acorn itself isn't an inadequate or broken oak. It's a perfect acorn. And when the acorn surrenders to the soil and the conditions match that pattern within the seed, the oak naturally emerges. That is the law of emergence, and that is the process of how all of creation unfolds. It's all a process of emergence. Um, and this is what we now understand from quantum physics as well, which is that in the quantum field, there's just pure potentiality. There isn't any actual particle or wave. There's just a superposition of potential, and your observation creates the conditions for its emergence. And so the same thing is true in our own life, that there's a seed of infinite potential planted in the soil of our soul and planted in every area of our experience. So there's a perfect pattern for our body, for our wealth, our health, our relationships, our work. There's a perfect pattern, or what Plato called the realm of perfect forms. And when we are willing and able to get in touch with that perfect pattern and begin to cultivate the congruent conditions, mentally, emotionally, and physically, which we have completely in our control, then that pattern of our life starts to emerge. And emergineering is the process of engineering that emergence. It's about becoming strategic about it, you know, not just waiting for life to happen to us, but understanding from emergence life happens through us and that whatever's missing is what we're not giving and whatever we're waiting for, we're actually waiting with and waiting it down. So we engage the process of emergineering, which is a seven-stage process that allows you to very actively and practically tap into that pattern um, in your life or in any area and cultivate those right conditions for its emergence. And then emergination <laughs> is, um, you can tell I love playing with words, uh, is <laughs> what I call the imagination 2.0. See, imagination is wonderful, and Einstein said imagination is better or more important than knowledge, and I would agree, um, because knowledge is a fixed of awareness, but imagination, you're tapping in it. But emergination, I'll tell you what, why don't we hold that thought? Can we hold that and share that for the, uh, I'll just give you a little bit, but emergination is when you tap into the imagination of your soul and into the realm of real vision where the work is already done. And uh, well, I really want to go much more deeply into that concept because it's, I think it's the core of the book. We've been speaking with Derek Rydahl, the author of Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. Derek, what is your website? My website is DerekRydell.com, D-E-R-E-K-R-Y-D-A-L-L.com. And you can also go to EmergenceTraining.com, and you'll find a free video training system on how to actually apply this work. Well, we'll get more information on that when we come back from our break. 
stay with us. Miriam Knight is the founder and publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital magazine and website at ncreview.com. For 15 years, Miriam's Beat has been covering the thinkers, books, and films inspiring conscious evolution towards greater health, happiness, empowerment, compassion, and connection. Browse the thousands of enlightening books, interviews, and videos on ncreview.com. You can connect with Miriam on Facebook or through the website. That's ncreview.com. Has the universe been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight, and I've interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it, they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives, and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. See straight and save. These days, everyone seems to see things differently. But from your eyes, you can see straight and save. Right now, get glasses online at 70% off at Glasses USA. There's a 100% guarantee, too, on top brand men, women, multifocal, and even prescription sunglasses. Visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Glasses USA, and you will see straight and save. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back. I'm Miriam Knight, and you're listening to the Miriam Knight Show, and to our guest, Derek Rydell. Derek, correct my pronunciation. Uh, Rydell? Rydell, there you go. Rydell, okay. The author of Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. And before the break, we were talking about the, the whole notion of what emerges from within, and one of the thoughts that kept on coming to me as I was reading your book was that we tend to define ourselves in terms of externals, mm. in terms of where we work, who our parents are, who our children are, and so on. Yeah. And what you are focusing our attention on in this book is actually focusing inside and letting what is truly at your core emerge. So um, tell me how you came up with the, um, the script. Are you a hypnotherapist? Am I a hypnotherapist? No, I'm, I'm not a hypnotherapist, not by license anyways. I, I guess sometimes I'm, I hypnotize people and sometimes I just put them to sleep. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
One of the things that I found so uh, useful in your book were what I would call uh, visualization scripts, yeah. where you take people on these journeys um, into uh, dealing with different aspects of our emerging process. Um, I must say that this book is like a master course in life, you know, life uh, advanced placement. So um, it, it should be, I think, most usefully dealt with as a textbook mm-hmm. where you, you um, read a bit, you absorb it, you meditate on it. Would you say that the best way to deal with these scripts would be to record them for yourself? Yeah, that's, that's actually a powerful way that a lot of my students and clients have done it is they'll use them as individual audios and record them and play them back. And, uh, um, yeah, absolutely. And actually, if you go to my site that we gave out, you'll, you can actually grab some of them, uh, you know, the shadow process, the visualization, vibration, radiation process. You'll be able to actually download those. And it, in my new book, in the back of the book, there's a resource section where you can go and get some of those, some of those um, as audios with me walking you through it um, so that you can practice some of these things, you know, right away without having to record it yourself. And it's, now, really, pow- things- it's really powerful because, you know, it is true what you said is so important. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's in some ways the whole, the whole ball game, you know, it's like we do judge on, we judge ourselves, we determine our identity based on our external experiences, our external conditions. We become identified with it. We become attached to it. And we think that the people, places, and things in the world are our source, whether it's our source of love, our source of support, security, safety, supply. And to the extent that we believe that, we then start to give our power to those places and people and conditions. Because whatever you think is your source of safety, security, support, or supply, you will give your power to. And then you will begin to manipulate and control or cajole or twist yourself into a pretzel to try to get what you think those outer sources have or to try to not let them take it away. And that sort of describes most of the human drama. However, that entire thing I just described is 180 degrees opposite of how life really works and how you're really designed. And that is that you and you alone are the source of everything that shows up in your life. Not some things, not most things, but everything. And that's not any, there's no judgment there at all. There's no blaming there at all. It's just a principle. And, and nobody can ever give you anything. The only thing that anybody can ever be is a channel. And the world can't give you anything and the world can't take anything away. The world is a screen or a canvas or a stage upon which you can produce your play, put on your art, you know, deliver your gifts, and then it will become, it'll give you feedback. And, but it can't add anything. And more importantly, it can't take anything away. And so everything, nothing can come into this world except that it comes out of you. It emerges. And nothing can come into your life unless it's first active and emerging in your consciousness. There won't be a vibrational match, and it will not be able to appear. So, so all of life is emergent, and we are like 
divine power plants. You know, in a power plant doesn't receive energy; it has to generate it. <clears throat> so, or, or even, or we're like, you know, instruments or openings, or think of it like a branch. We're like all branches on the tree of life, and the tree is the source. Within, you know, obviously the branch is the tree, and the tree is connected to the branch. And the fruits that appear on the branch and the leaves and the blossoms are emerging out of the branch. And uh, when we start to understand that, we understand most of us walk around acting like we are separate from the tree, you know, and we have to make the fruit happen and figure out how it all works. And, and there's actually in the Bible it talks about when you act like that, you are like a branch cut off from the tree and it withers and it dies because it's not connected to the real source of everything, which is within you. So you also you quoted someone as saying, um, "What tree would have its branches fighting amongst themselves?" That's right. That's an Ojibwa prayer or, or sta- statement. Um, um, a tree would be um, what is it? Um, something about um, what tree would be so foolish as for its branches to fight amongst themselves? Um, so yeah, and of course we're all fighting amongst ourselves in the world, but because we are under a, a, hip, a hypnotic spell of separation, separation from each other, separation from, from our true self, which is within us and is the source of everything. And, um, and, and to even take that a little bit deeper, we're not, from a quantum physics and metaphysics standpoint, we're not really in the world, but the whole world is really in our consciousness. And so that all the conflict we experience in our life is really an outpicturing of the, the war within ourselves. And when we find integration and harmony and peace within ourselves, we'll find that that, doesn't, that conflict begins to dissolve in our, in our personal world because it's all a reflection. And emergence gets you completely realigned again with, these, with this truth, you know, that that it's all emerging out of, your, out of you and out of your consciousness. And it shows you how to embrace the conflicts, the challenges, not as an enemy, but as an, an ally and an opportunity to grow, to integrate, to heal, and to activate more of your latent power and genius so that it can begin to emerge into your life. Uh, it, uh, as you say in your book, it's our choice of whether we want our lives to be the effect of external circumstances or whether we want to be the cause of our own lives. That's right. That's right. Exactly. You know, somebody says, how's your day going? I don't, how, how, you know, how, or how are you treating, or how's life treating you? I say, I don't know how life's treating me, but I know how I'm treating life, you know? And understanding that when you walk into a room, the only thing that you can need is what you brought. And so... It's, it's a powerful shift, and it's, it's not always easy to understand or accept because it really does seem like life's happening to us. It really does seem like we're at the effect of life and that we're victims of life. And, and I would say the, the only way that we're really a victim of life is that we're born into an environment where there are a lot of beliefs that already exist here. It's like a thought atmosphere. It's like thought viruses. And so we're born before we have a conscious awareness of what's going on, and we become susceptible to these mind viruses. And they victimize us to an extent in the sense that they operate through us 
and we believe them and we adopt them until we start to get a level of consciousness, you know, and realize that that I've adopted all these beliefs. They don't even belong to me. They're not even really my values or my beliefs. They just got, you know, they just got they just got all on me when I was born. And so we begin to reclaim our sovereignty and our dominion over our own consciousness, our own mind, and become the cause unto our life, as you said, instead of the fact. And realize that we're the source of everything that shows up. But we also um, need to have a vision of where we're going in order to navigate life. And I want to get back into onto that question. Uh, but we do have to take a break shortly. And I just want to remind listeners that you're listening to the Miriam Light Show. And our guest is Derek Lydell. Lydell and his book is Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Change. And his website is Derek Rydell, R-Y-D-A-L-L, dot com. So stay back, come back, and we'll speak to you after the break. been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight and I interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What wags the world? Tales of conscious awakening. Miriam Knight is the founder and publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital magazine and website at ncreview.com. For 15 years, Miriam's Beat has been covering the thinkers, books, and films inspiring conscious evolution towards greater health, happiness, empowerment, compassion, and connection. Browse the thousands of enlightening books, interviews, and videos on ncreview.com. You can connect with Miriam on Facebook or through the website. That's ncreview.com. If you're like the 8 out of 10 women that say finding genes that fit is a problem, well, your problem is solved. Lee Jeans has done extensive research, and they have genes that fit. There's even an online Lee Fit Finder, so you can find the right fit for you. Imagine jeans that instantly slim you with a custom fit and no gap waistband. And guys, kids, Lee has jeans for you, too. Click through to Lee's Jeans on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and get what fits. You want HealthyLife.net radio programming everywhere? TuneIn Radio is your mobile solution. The app is available for iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android phones. Search your app store today. Search for TuneIn and take HealthyLife.net radio programming everywhere you go.
Welcome back. Uh, we're speaking with Derek Lydell, author of Emergence. Now, Derek, before the break, um, I mentioned the notion of vision, because if you don't have some kind of vision of where you want to navigate your life to, um, you just don't know where to go. How do you develop such a vision for yourself? Yeah. Vision is, is in, in the emergineering process, vision is the first step because for, for various reasons. But one reason is that if you don't know where you're going, then every road will take you there. In other words, you'll be lost. And um, so and, and it says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, it doesn't say where there is no vision, the people have a bad day. It says where there is no vision, the people perish. They die. Civilizations fall. And if they don't literally die, they become part of the walking dead, sort of living lives of quiet desperation and tolerated misery and or just can, just mediocrity at best. And But there's a much more important reason. I mean, there's so much I could go into. It's one of my favorite topics is vision and purpose, is that you can't create the congruent conditions for something you don't know. It's like, it's like if you don't have a seed, you don't know how to cultivate the soil for that seed because you don't know what kind of seed it is. So it's important to know what it is that is emerging in your life or in any area that you're focusing on. And there's a lot of clues to that because the vision is not in your future. It's actually broadcasting in the present moment. And the vision is not um, what you make up for your life. It's actually what you are made of. You know, the vision of the acorn is an oak tree. But the acorn doesn't, like, come up with the idea of an oak. It's not created spontaneously. It, it, it can't be anything other than an oak. And so there is a true vision, a seed of potential that's, that's planted in us that is our very design. That is, we've been literally designed for it the way the acorn has. And, in fact, our entire life experience has been conspiring for us to tap into it and reveal it. Um, we just haven't always been cooperating and collaborating with it. But so there's a vision, a unique design for our life and for every area of our life. And one of the clues that helps us tap into what that is is our deepest desire. Not merely just those passing trends and fancies, although sometimes those are clues to something, but that burning yearning, you know, that thing that maybe we've covered it up and put it away thinking it's impossible. Maybe we're in a relationship that's become commonplace, but we, and we've sort of given up on the possibility of what it really could be, what we really deep down want. Or maybe we have a desire to express in a certain way or whatever that might be. And, that, and we've kind of just put it, put it away or let it get covered up. Or maybe we, we, we think that it's impossible. Who am I? How is that ever going to happen? But that burning desire, that burning yearning, is a clue, not of something that's outside of you that you don't have and you need to go get, but something that's already inside of you trying to get out. In fact, the word desire comes from a root that means of the sire, of the father, or of the creative principle, and also from the heavens. So that burning desire is something that's in you. You've activated it. You're pregnant with it. And so that's a very, very powerful clue to your life. We've just been conditioned to think we don't have it or, it's, you know, the truth is our deepest desires are going to feel crazy and impossible. The same way as if the acorn 
could really get clear on its desire to be an oak tree if it had a personality like us, you know, it would be like, oh, my God, am I crazy? How in the world could this little seed ever become that giant mighty oak? It's impossible. And so we end up thwarting our desire and our vision by asking questions like how. How is that possible? How could that ever happen? You know, and we're, and we're waiting for all the specifics and the directions and the details before we're willing to say yes to that yes, yes to that vision. And that's a, that's a tactic of the ego to stall us. Because when you ask how, then the ego very quickly starts to figure out how impossible it is and it gets you to stop. That way you won't really grow and change. But you, but you must first commit to the vision, commit to the desire. And I, and I call it, a, um, in the book I walk you through, what's called the, the all-in dream or the 100% dream, where I help you to discover what is, what is that greatest dream or vision. Not just, you know, the 50% dream or the 75% dream, but what is that ideal life of wealth, health, happiness, love, work, etc. Or, you, again, you can focus on just one of those. If you were to truly, truly claim what you want to the fullest, and they've shown statistically that it's actually easier to get what you really, really, really want than it is to get what you think you can get. Isn't that interesting? Because mm-hmm. the, the, the what you really, really, really want, which is, is the truth about you, and it's got so much more juice to it, it's, it's burning in you, um, that when you commit to it, the fuel of that can actually propel you through the threshold and over the bumps more than just something you kind of want or something that is, yeah, that would be nice. There's not the juice there. And the minute you hit a threshold or a bump, you're, you're going to give up or give in. So we have to tap into that burning yearning, that burning desire. And in, in emergence, I show you how to take that vision and break it down into what are the, the qualities of it that you need to begin to cultivate, like the seed. You know, now that you know what the seed is, you know, I want to have a life of a certain level of abundance and love and creativity and success. Now we go, okay, that's the seed. Now how do we need to cultivate the soil of your soul, of your heart, of your mind? How do we need to cultivate that so that it creates the conditions for that seed to grow? And that becomes a very key part of the whole emergence process. One of the um, techniques that you use uh, is something that we've heard in many different contexts, which is kind of visualization. We've already discussed the the importance of creating that script. Um, Sort of fake it until you make it. Now, why is this putting yourself into the situation as if it were already true so important? Yeah, so visualization and affirmations and all those things are used differently in emergence because, remember, the old model is something's missing. You have to attract it or go make it happen or achieve it. And the problem with that is that most of your efforts to do that actually keep you disconnected from it energetically and vibrationally, and you end up pushing it away. Or even if you manifest a bigger paycheck, you're just broke at a higher income bracket because you've still got this sense of lack that you carry with you. So, um, so we use visualization to attract it, and then we use affirmations to achieve and attract it. And so from emergence, because you've already got it all, 
You're using everything to create the conditions for it to come out of you. And that's why Jesus, one, one of the master teachers, said, when you pray, pray believing that you already have it, that you may receive it. And when I talk about affirmations, I say they're not affirmations, they're affirmations. Because you're, you're affirming from the reality of it within you. And you're praying from the truth that you've already got it all, and that's how you activate it and open it up. So visualization, we are not visualizing the image to try to make that image happen. We're using our greatest desire, visualizing it, in order to activate the qualities, the feeling tone, the vibration. And when you activate the vibration through visualization by putting yourself in it, it's like you're tuning into the, the station where that is already happening. Just like music is already broadcasting, you've got to tune into it. So visualization allows you to tune in to the frequency where your music is already playing, where your life is already vibrating. That's the most powerful use of visualization. Mm. It's like all of the, this potential is hanging out there, and you need to dial in the frequency of it so that you can manifest it. Yeah, and not mm. just hanging out there. It's actually hanging right here, and you dial into it, and it, because it's already here, it begins to manifest in your life. Right here. And we will be right here when we come back from break, which we're going to take right now. And we are speaking with Derek Rydell, author of Emergence. Miriam Knight is the founder and publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital magazine and website at ncreview.com. For 15 years, Miriam's Beat has been covering the thinkers, books, and films inspiring conscious evolution towards greater health, happiness, empowerment, compassion, and connection. Browse the thousands of enlightening books, interviews, and videos on ncreview.com. You can connect with Miriam on Facebook or through the website. That's ncreview.com. Has the universe been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight, and I interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it, they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives, and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. 
All positive talk with a mature edge. HealthyLife.net about the process of emergence. Derek, um, you actually have very kindly offered our listeners um, some free goodies. And uh, tell us about that and tell us about how they can really dive into learning this whole process for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, to celebrate my new book coming out, Emergence, I've created a brand-new Emergence video series of training that really walks you through the core principles of emergence and the practical applications of it in your life and in, in whatever area you most want to apply it in. And in order to get that in-depth video training, you just go to emergencetraining.com. So that's www.emergence, E-M-E-R-G-E-N as in Nancy, C-E, training.com, all one word and you'll get a chance to get that, um, your copy of that free video training. And then you'll also get a chance to, when you buy, if you buy the book, which is about 10 or $11, depending on the format, I'm going to give you close to $2,000 in actual additional tools and programs to support your journey of emergence. So um, just go to emergencetraining.com, and you'll get in there, get your copy of that, and you'll be on your way to really activate your own emerging potential. You know, having read Derek's book, I would like to fully endorse uh, your leaping on this offer because uh, some of the most um, really profound and powerful visualizations and techniques are in the book for taking you by the hand and helping you become the absolute greatest version of you. So, Derek, um, you know, one of the questions that I keep on thinking about is all the wonderful ways that we have of sabotaging ourselves. <laughs> Are there any, any suggestions you have for how to get around this? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to understand that, that there's nothing wrong with us, even the part of us that wants to sabotage us, you know, procrastinating, delaying, you know, all those things. That, that what's, what's happened is that as you're growing and, and evolving and maturating when you're a young person, you bump into certain experiences that, that send you a message that certain parts of you aren't okay. Or, you, for example, you might be kind of, kind of crazy, kind of loud, and your parents say something or a teacher says something and makes you feel ashamed about being that way, and you repress that part of you. And you start to create other things and activate other parts of you in order to fit in, to get along, to get love, to not be rejected. And or you might have been, have experienced other people in certain ways being dominating, controlling, needy, greedy, selfish. And it so hurt you that you, you decided that those qualities weren't okay and you repressed those parts of you. So this is what we call our shadow. So these things that also could be what I call a values conflict 
where where it seems like you have to sacrifice one thing you like to get something else you like. And if you like, if, if you feel like you need one of the things more than the other, you're going to end up sacrificing the other one completely. So this all happens as we're developing. And by the time we become young adults and adults, we've got these unconscious patterns that are all vying for self-preservation, that are all trying to survive. And so, and then we've learned through conditioning that those parts of us that we don't like, we should improve them. We should get rid of them. We should fix them. We should change them. We should make the sad person happy, make the, the greedy person giving, make the selfish person selfless. The truth couldn't be further from that. Those parts of you, the greedy, selfish, needy, angry, sad, they are all misunderstood children. They're all misunderstood parts of you that are just needing the love and attention that they never got. And so imagine having all these kids that have been judged and shamed and blamed, and now what do kids do when they feel like you're not listening, not paying attention, not respecting, not loving them? They start to act out. And they either act out overtly or covertly, either aggressive or passive-aggressive, but they act out. And that's happening within inside of us. And we've been learned to, we've learned to get rid of those and silence those through working and self-improvement and whatever. And that's actually made it worse. If you try to change a child who's really just needing you to hear them and love them and see them and understand them, is it going to work? No, it's going to backfire. And so we need to get off of that trap of self-improvement and start to embrace these parts of us that are crying out. And when we do, not only will we fall in love with ourselves again and fall in love with these parts of us we've been, you know, trapping and repressing in the dungeon of of our being, but we will discover they carry incredible gifts, talents, abilities, and power. In fact, most of the things we're struggling for are hidden within these misunderstood parts of us. And they will become integrated again. They will have a seat at the table again. And when they feel heard and listened to, loved and understood, they won't have any reason to act out anymore. And when they don't need to act out anymore, all of those things that sabotage us will go away because they're just trying to get our attention. And, and I'll use one other analogy for this is that, you know, when you look at the soil, the soil that is the darkest and the dankest is also the most fertile. And what is the soil made of? Everything that has died and rotted and decayed. And, and the more of that, the better the soil is, the more life-giving. And in nature, nature doesn't try to get rid of all the dirt, <laughs> you know. If nature worked the way we would, the seed would try to get rid of all the dirt, have vision boards and pray and affirm all the dirt away, and the sun would come out, shine upon the seed, and burn it to a crisp. So instead, the seed buries itself in the dirt and turns it not into a grave but into a womb, and the sun activates the, the soil and the rich nutrients, and it nourishes the seed and it's able to emerge. Well, the darkness within ourselves, those dark, dirty parts that we've been trying to get rid of, those are actually the rich soil for our own emergence, for our own growth, when we embrace it and cultivate it. What a wonderful and life-affirming message, Derek. 
I'm just so glad that you were able to be with us today. So let us reiterate Derek Rydell, the author of Emergence. Uh, your website is again Derek, Derek Rydell.com, D-E-R-E-K-R-Y-D-A-L-L.com. And if they want to get the free Emergence video training, get their copy of that, they can go to emergencetraining.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Derek. Oh, it's been my privilege. And I hope you all join us next time when our uh, guest will be Meg Blackburn Lucy talking about the children of now evolution. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight, and it's been grand to be with you. Uh, many blessings on your journey. <laughs>